Mike McEntee here on AM 950. Surprise, surprise. Uh, oh, not really a surprise. Lieutenant Governor Michelle Fischbach, who just recently removed the acting portion of her title by taking the oath of office, wants to keep the job even after her term ends. So she's Tim Pawlenty's running mate for governor. It's all part of the run-up to tomorrow's Republican and DFL conventions, which, which by the way, you're going to be able to watch live on the uptake.org Friday and Saturday from Duluth for the Republicans, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, from Rochester for the DFLers. Uh, we are still fundraising. We are close to getting the amount of money we need to do this, but if you can help us out, we want to make sure that we got transparency, accuracy, because people like to go back to these things, make sure that what was said was really what was said. Um, so you know, help us out over at theuptake.org. But we're going to talk about the conventions and what's going to be happening a little bit later in the show with Hamlin Professor of Political Science David Schultz and, of course, the inevitable August primaries. Also on the show, and I teased this out on Twitter for those of you who follow me at Mike at Mike M. Show. I've got an important announcement to make. We're going to get to that in the show as, as well. But first, controversy in the wake of Representative Eric Paulson's town halls, his first in seven years yesterday. A super PAC that is backing Paulson sent out an email ahead of his town hall meetings asking those supporting Paulson to organize at the Brooklyn Park Town Hall because, quote, the left is going to show up in crowds like the animals they are. Yes, he's, they, the email called the left, which I assume includes maybe a lot of you who are listening, animals. Uh, Minnesota Democratic Farmer Labor Party Ken Martin, uh, party chairman, I should say, Ken Martin, leaped on that today and is calling on Republican Representative Paulson to apologize for those comments. He said, quote, this hateful comment embodies exactly why Minnesotans in the 3rd Congressional Districts are demanding new leadership using the guise of your big money super PAC to refer to your constituents as animals is cowardly and abhorrent. It's time for Eric Paulson to follow Dean Phillips' lead, reject PAC influence, and bring civility back to Minnesota's 3rd Congressional District. Now, the PAC that we're talking about here, Ken Martin calls it Paulson's, it's the Congressional Leadership Fund. It is backed by the leadership of the of Congress. It's exactly what it sounds like, the Republican leadership of Congress. Whether Paulson has any control over it or not is a big question. But indeed, Paulson, uh, Paulson supporters are being asked to bring signs to the meeting. I don't know if that was, uh, was supposed to happen, but also calling the left animals. So that's where we are already in the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, as I mentioned, he, Paulson held like three of these meetings yesterday. And Rob Wilcox, who is with the Indivisible Minnesota 3 Board, Minnesota 03 Board, uh, was at one of those. He was at the Brooklyn Park meeting, and he joins us down in the studio. Rob, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, Mike. Good to have you on here. I got to ask you, since I just went through that story, uh, you we were just briefly talking about it before we went on the air. You had not heard any of this, had you? No, no, I hadn't. Um, although I will say uh, the only people I saw with signs was maybe four or five people dressed in green uh, Congressional Leadership Fund T-shirts. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, there, there's your connection, I guess, already. So, uh, and I, I don't know, were there rules on this? I mean, these are this is supposed to be a meeting that uh, was, you know, polite and was supposed to be, you know, not getting out of control. Signs and everything kind of tend to, you know, contribute to that. Was that was that a, was there a rule put out ahead of time saying please don't bring signs or? <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that they would ask their supporters to bring signs because the email I got and the lucky few who were awarded tickets to this uh, uh, limited access event uh, were actually told we couldn't bring two things. One of them were signs, the other was weapons, as if okay. uh, those are both equally um, intimidating. Okay, so the Paulson people here, at least the Paulson supporters, were told to break the rules and apparently some of them did, so there we are. Uh, let's let's talk about what happened there because we got we got a report on uh, one of the meetings yesterday, the first meeting. But I, I was interested how this got uh, how everything went. Did um, it sounded like people got to ask Eric Paulson questions? Mm -hmm. did, did they get to ask him directly? Did you get to get a question? And what, what what happened here? Yeah, people did get the chance to ask him a question directly, and um, I had the opportunity to actually ask the final question of the evening. 
Um, although I will say, um, kind of true to character, uh, Eric likes to, we uh, should say the congressman, likes to um, tightly control his interactions with his constituents. And that was the case here as well. As we mentioned, there were no signs. Uh, we were uh, sternly warned ahead of time uh, by the moderator that uh, uh, that no outbursts or, or uh, general ruckus would be tolerated. Um, but the biggest issue I have with the way it was conducted in terms of access is that it was very clear that follow-up questions were not welcome. Um, and to me, that's not a true town hall. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there has to be um, some sort of limitations so that um, you know people can get their questions answered. But to me, that's a setup to say, look, we're going to have you answer, ask a question, whatever question you want. Um, but then the congressman is going to give you talking points and bridge to whatever he actually wants to talk about or just away from the things that he doesn't want to talk about. It's critical that we have the ability to ask follow-up questions and hold him to his answers. And um, some people did. Yeah, that is the first thing they actually teach you as a candidate is don't answer the question that was asked. Answer the question that you wish was asked and mm-hmm. then move on. And so, you know, it, it I mean, it's not just Eric Paulson does that. Everybody who is in politics at least is told that as a candidate, that's a good way to deal with things. Now, whether you follow that advice or not, that's up to you. And apparently Eric Paulson was uh, was following that. You said you did get to ask him a question. What did you get to ask him about? I did. Well, you can imagine after seven years of not holding any town halls, uh, myself and many people had a lot of questions. I got the opportunity to ask one. Um, and for me, it was important to understand why now, after uh, almost seven years of, of not appearing in public before um, an open meeting of his constituents, you know, why now? Um, and I, I brought that to his attention and, and reminded him that um, his last town hall was in September of 2011. Um, and in fact, as recently as March of this year, he stated in the Eden Prairie News that he disfavored town hall meetings because people use them to grandstand. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, quote, people turn them into gotcha moments or a shouting moment. Um, And, you know, now all of a sudden uh, we have three in one day. Um, So I asked him what his thinking was behind that, um, and he didn't really answer me. Um, If I can paraphrase what I heard, it was that, you know, we just kind of sort of decided that this might be a good idea, as if it just occurred to him and his staff that town halls are a thing. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. it, it followed exactly the same format here, and you know, three town halls all in one day. Exactly what Jason Lewis did just the week before, middle of the week, and uh, you know, very controlled. Uh, you had to get a ticket, and the venues it looked like from the pictures were very small. Maybe a lot, a lot more people could fit in than really were were brought in. Uh, it was exclusionary. It was controlled. It was you know, were, were questions. At least at Jason Lewis, all most of the questions were written down. And interaction was absolutely not encouraged. It sounded like there was at least some interaction here. Well, there was, but that was really um, on the shoulders of the constituents. Again, we were told no follow-up questions. Um, and, you know, he had, he had phrased uh, his response to not holding town halls, really hung it on the hook of, well, people might be mean. They might be rowdy or, or disruptive. And it's a situation where if you were told you can't ask a follow-up question. Then you ask a question, he doesn't answer it. If you attempt then to ask a follow-up question, now you're disruptive. Um, Mm -hmm. And many people very politely, I thought overall, I watched the Facebook uh, live um, feeds that Indivisible did of the the prior two town halls that day. People were very, very respectful and courteous in almost every case. Um, In the cases where it got a little heated, it was because he wouldn't answer the questions and uh, disregarded the follow-up questions. Now, uh, one of the earlier meetings, people had little red and green cards they held up to show that they agreed or disagreed, and it seemed like most people were opposed uh, to what Eric Paulson was talking about. What was the feeling here in the crowd? Was it mostly opposed or not? Because this is allegedly a random sampling of people who uh, sent in tickets. Well, I'll tell you, if this is a random sampling of Eric Paulson's constituency, he's going to be in big trouble in November, because those rooms were decidedly... um, interested in hearing answers from him and were not willing to um, just take the sound bites. Um, I would say many people went in there with respectful but pointed questions, um, but I got the sense that he did not have um, a lot of fans in that room. Now, one of the, uh, I, in fact, I'm going to talk about this next section uh, about the gun violence and the questions that came up during Jason Lewis and the, some of the responses he gave, but I'm interested to, to know 
I suspect that gun violence came up in this one because that's been uh, one of the issues that Eric Paulson's been kind of dealing with, which we've all been dealing with. Did did he get any questions on that? Did he answer them? Mm-hmm. In the town hall, I, the town hall I went to, he certainly did. Um, he got repeated questions about it. Um, and I'll try to tell you as accurately as I can remember, but um, specifically he was asked about the NRA money that he's taken so far. Um, and he was asked um, if he would continue to take NRA money, yes or no. Um, he did not answer the question yes or no. He brought up um, uh, some supposed positions or legislation that he was considering that you know, he said were not necessarily directly in line with the NRA. Um, his A rating by the NRA would uh, seem to disprove that. But um, his answer was, I don't think the NRA is going to send me any checks. Um, so he wouldn't answer the follow-up questions. And, and so and I, I want to interrupt, mm-hmm. interrupt you there yeah. just for one minute, because it's not important that the NRA sends somebody checks. That's not the thing. The NRA's power is running ads against you. And the fact that you are not being targeted by the NRA with an ad is the gift the NRA gives you. I think people, people got to remember that because their actual dollars that they spend on campaigns is small is is small compared to the the money that they spend lobbying it's it i'm sorry it's the other way around but they spend campaign money um on on opposing people and that's where the dollars go and so many people say well i'm not taking money from the nra yeah but you're on their good side and they're targeting your opposition so anyway anyway no that's true and and in fact he wouldn't even go that far to say that he wouldn't take money he said um he doesn't expect them to send him money um, follow-up questions, um, people gave their, their question to ask him again, not just one more time, but uh, two more times, a total of three times he was asked that question, would not say uh, that he wouldn't accept NRA money. Hmm. Healthcare has been the other big issue that Congress has been uh, grappling with, and uh, it seems to me like Paulson, at one, Paulson voted a whole bunch of times to get rid of Obamacare, um, and I, I'm, it's escaping me where he, where he finally ended up on the various plans to replace it. But, uh, did he finally have a plan now? What we should be doing? Well, he, he did get several questions about that. I'll be honest. Um, the answers were incomprehensible to me. Um, if I'm remembering. Well, well healthcare is, is, is hard and complicated to, comp- to quote <laughs> our president. Who yeah, knew who it knew? could be this hard? Who knew? Yeah. Okay, but okay, that aside, you should be able to at least explain it to your constituents when you got some time. So he was he was having you were having a hard time understanding what he's saying. I was, I was. And and you know, perhaps there were people in the room uh, who maybe work in the medical field or in um, insurance who who that would make sense to, but it didn't seem to land with the crowd. I can tell you that. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of his votes on the AHCA, um, it's my recollection that you know he had the opportunity to vote on it. Uh, more than some, because he had the opportunity to vote on it in in committee as well. So, you know, now he's backpedaling and moving to the middle and trying to appear as if, you know, he's just looking for solutions. But um, his votes tell the story. Any, you know, those are those are the two big issues I think people are concerned about this election. But did he talk about other things that, uh, you know, struck you as, you know, hey, this is the way to go, or hey, that's really stupid, or you know, I don't understand you. What else happened during the meeting? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I would say that the overall theme was um, concerned citizens, uh, constituents of his, asking these questions and, and generally getting unsatisfactory answers. Um, some of the things that stood out to me that that uh, seemed to be uh, different than, you know, what his actions have been. Um, you know, he says Tr- President Trump isn't a role model for our children. Um, and th- that was a concern of many people, his, his continued support of President Trump. Um, he may not think he's a um, role model model for our children, but he votes in support of the administration 97.4% of the time. And not only that, uh, Vice President Pence came to town and said that Congressman Paulson is working every day shoulder to shoulder with President Trump. Um, that doesn't seem like a guy who's on the fence or in the middle to me. Yeah. Although, you know, to be fair, when you look at most Republican records, they're going to be into the 90s in supporting uh, the president because that's the legislation that comes to him. But it's it's really how far you go that uh, that way. Um, I, I want to emphasize that uh, Indivisible uh, Minnesota 3 is a nonpartisan group. And but you were obviously formed after, you know, Donald Trump won. And a lot of people are upset with what's happening in our government. Mm-hmm. Did did you see anything that would persuade you that uh, Eric Paulson is somebody you want to support? 
No, I'm afraid it's more of the same. Um, I personally got far more invested in, in our local uh, politics here in the, in the third uh, district um, after the election of, of President Trump because it was important to me to see that while I would expect a Republican congressman to hold re Republican positions, um, the extreme nature of President Trump's uh, personal behavior and, and his policies seemed to me like something that a, a true moderate would uh, have some pushback f uh, for. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in the years since, or the nearly two years since, we haven't seen that from Congressman Paulson, and, and frankly, that's what's so troubling. Um, I think that you have a lot of people in this district who have continued to be disappointed um, by his uh, both um, support through votes and continued support through a lack of, of action uh, in leadership. Um, mm -hmm. He has a platform. He can speak against these things. And in the, in the few occasions when you know, he's been sort of had his back to the wall and needed to say something uh, about Trump's absurd behavior, um, you know, we see very meek um, statements that then quickly uh, fade into the background. We're speaking with Rob Wilcox. He is on the board of the Indivisible Minnesota Three. Rob, I know we've got just a, a minute or so here left. I'm, you, you folks are organizing your meeting. Uh, if people want to get involved in your group, uh, what do you suggest they do? Sure. Well, um, a great way to find us is indivisiblemno3.org. Um, that's our website. Um, and our Twitter handle is the same, um, at indivisiblemno3. And, um, you know, find us there. Um, look at, uh, you know, what we've done so far. Um, for me, Indivisible was a great opportunity um, to get into um, our local politics and, and educate myself. And um, it's been a wonderful opportunity for me. So I'd really welcome people to come and join us. Um, we, we are um, a welcoming organization. And, and though we do have problems with Congressman Paulson, we are uh, nonpartisan uh, and do have Republican members. So we welcome everyone. Yeah, and I know a lot of people. Uh, they 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 probably feel the way you do, but they go, oh, I don't have time, or I don't know, mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to get involved. When when somebody says either of those things, what do you say back to them? Well, I'll say this: um, uh, one of our main goals is to help people become active and involved in their own political um, um, areas. And even if you don't have much time, there is there are things you can do. There's something you can do that's a little bit more than what you're doing now. And we believe that now is a time when all Americans have to find a way to do a little bit more um, and become a little bit more involved in our political um, uh, activities. All right. Rob Wilcox uh, with Indivisible Minnesota 3. Uh, we just heard about what happened at the Eric Paulson meeting. Hey, Rob, I appreciate you being a citizen journalist here <laughs> for us and coming in and, and telling us what, what was going on. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Mike. I really enjoyed it. All right. Hey, folks, we're going to take a break here. Uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to get into what happened at the Jason Lewis meeting because we have video and a little bit of audio and some stuff I thought you might be interested in there. Also, a little bit later on the show, big announcement. I, I, it's called a tease, but I will tell you what the announcement is coming up here in a while. You're listening to the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. It's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. When you think of a Russian souvenir, I bet that Matryoshka, the nesting doll, is the first thing that comes to mind. I'm happy to say that our exhibition of these Matryoshka dolls, which delighted thousands of families over the holidays, has been extended through August 11th. Whether you're from Moscow or Mankato, you'll be stunned by the variety, shapes, and intricate details of this massive collection. Deals on Groupon. Visit us today or online at tmora.org. A Night Out with Chelsea Handler, live this Tuesday at the State Theater. I'm doing a tour where I go around to different places in this country and talk to people who have different opinions than me because I want to learn more, I want to understand better, I want to have nice, healthy conversations with strangers who think differently. A night of fun and interactive discussion with Chelsea, hosted by TV's Jenna Shortle. What is the most important issue for all of you in this room? Is it foreign affairs? Is it legal immigration? Is it Dancing with the Stars? Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster in the box office. Sponsored by Delta and Twin Cities Pride. 
Hello, friends. I've been talking to you about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, Minnesota's first green cemetery dedicated to celebrating life and protecting our environment. One of the many wonderful things they have is something called the living urn. Ashes are buried in an urn with seedlings, ultimately coming back to life as a glorious tree. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Why don't you log on to the website, mngreengraves.com. Learn more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. See if it might be something that's meaningful for you. It's Mike McEntee. We're doing Congressional Town Hall Roundup today. We just heard about the Eric Paulson meeting that happened yesterday. The three, and I'm putting air quotes around those town halls because they aren't exactly what they're advertised to be. They're kind of controlled, but you do get some interaction. You get do, do have some things happen. And last week's uh, town hall with uh, Jason Lewis, by the way, the uptake has a video of uh, an entire one of those sessions, hour-long sessions that uh, we've posted over at theuptake.org. We work with one of the local media organizations to be a pool on that, and uh, we've got we got the entire thing up. And we talked about that meeting uh, last week, but some of the things I think that got missed in there that the media hasn't reported, I want to bring up here. Um, they talked about gun violence, and the media did talk about that, some of the reports. Uh, there was a woman there named Nancy, and she supports gun rights. And But she had a question about the recent death of a Minnesota 7-year-old who died of a gunshot wound, self-inflicted, after he found a loaded gun in a cardboard box in his parents' home. Obviously a safety problem. And she wanted laws to address that for gun safety, or at least funding. And when it came to laws, though, Lewis was against those. But what Lewis said really just stunned her. Take, take a listen here. Now, there, is, there are laws already on the books that would allow the criminal authorities to, to prosecute families for child abuse. Those laws are already there. There are civil laws that would allow somebody to file a tort in some cases. All I'm saying is, if you start to penalize parents on this, where is it going to stop? There are lots of manners where people allow children to eat you know, super dogs, or whatever the case might be, junk food. Are you going to go in and say, that we're going to take over and tell you what you have to do? I'm not. You're equating a human life with a super dog? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not equating that at all. I'm equating, I'm equating that there are a lot of children that don't have proper supervision, yeah. many of whom die. Yeah. Uh, are you equating somebody's life, somebody taking their life, a law to keep somebody from possibly keeping a loaded gun around the house or learning about it to, oh, gee, well, we're upset because uh, New York has passed a law saying you can't have a lot of sugar. you got to explain how much sugar there is in a super gulp or you can't have that much. Really? And he said, no, 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 I'm not equating them. But he said, but, you know, basically, if it's a law, you know, he's against it. I mean, you got some thoughts on that? Does that ring true to you? 952-946-6205 is the number here. If, you, if that just kind of strikes you as, whoa. Um, there's some other things that struck some people as, whoa. <laughs> One of them was the opening prayer in this. Um, this was, uh, I'm, I'm looking for the guy's name here. Uh, Lynn Farrelson is what, what he said his name was. And it was a, a prayer that opened the session. Okay, you can open a prayer. Prayer. But as we had a guest here uh, last week who said they were uncomfortable about it, and I think you might be too, because if you listen, it seems to call for Jason Lewis's re-election. I'm grateful for our leadership that is provided for us in this community. We ask you to bless especially Jason Lewis, our upcoming elections. May we have a hard half to use so that we would vote to bring great nation to even be greater than it is now and forever. And, and in case you could, this in your name. Amen. In case you couldn't hear that, because again, it's a, it's a low recording. He says, we ask you to bless, especially Jason Lewis, our upcoming elections. And it's kind of a vague statement, but to a lot of people, it sounded like, hey, vote for Jason Lewis. You know, God, please get Jason Lewis reelected. Now, I don't know if that's what he meant, but a lot of people felt kind of weird about that. Uh, another another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Natalie Chermy. We had her on the show uh, last week. She talked about what you know she saw in there. I want you to hear the question. She, she did. It, remember, these weren't questions. These are statements that people basically got to make 
and Jason Lewis may or may not have replied to them. But I wanted I wanted to listen to what she had to say because this is what somebody should say when they want to speak up. Hi, Congressman. Welcome. Um, I, my name is Natalie Trini. I grew up in Farmington. Went to school, graduated, got a Fulbright from go to Germany. I'm here today to ask you if my life matters. I'm asking because I am a woman of color. I want you to view me as a full person, not half, not just a woman, but as a full human being. I'm asking because I work with people with brain injuries. I'm worried about those cuts coming to Medicaid. Disability, not that far away from any of us. I'm also asking because I want to know why I can't make my own decisions on my body. I'm also asking if you believe that black lives matter. I'm so serious because growing up, I was asked if I was adopted. The answer is no. But I don't feel safe in this country, not safe like a white man does. And I want to know what are you doing to make sure that my, our schools are safer, that people do not fear going to school. What are you going to do to make sure that I get my rights? Thank you. Okay, so there, somebody speaking up, being respectful. And Lewis did talk about her concerns about Medicaid. She told us he really didn't understand and they disagree. But he didn't. And this is a problem with the format. Uh, she didn't address her concerns at all about Black Lives Matter, a woman's right to choose an abortion, or the safety of minorities in a society where white males own so many guns, have so much, you know, white privilege. That that didn't come up. And nobody could ask him, can you respond to that? Could you please say something about that? I'd like to know about that. Because the format. And that's what these are organized for, is to basically be a nice photo op. Hey, I listened to the nice woman, and she said things, and I gave an answer. It had nothing to do with that, but hey, I'm open. I'm I'm the person who is, you know, moderate because I listen to all these people. I'm the person that you should back again because I'm open. I listen to everybody. I've had so many groups come in and talk to me. Yeah, but you don't respond. And there's a difference between hearing somebody or listening to somebody and actually hearing what they have to say. I don't think he heard what she had to say, because otherwise I think he would have responded. Hey, we're going to take a break. Uh, Coming up here next, we are going to get into the DFL and Republican conventions that are coming up. We have Professor David Schultz to give us his take on what might happen at both of those conventions. Plus, later on, it's the tease. I'm sorry. I've got a big announcement, and we'll get to that as well. You're listening to The Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. While I'm pregnant, I can keep our baby safe by not drinking, smoking, or using drugs. But how are we going to keep her safe after she's born? When I grow up, I look forward to dancing in powwows, going to college, and being successful. But I don't want to be one of three American Indian women to be raped or sexually assaulted in her lifetime. As relatives and friends of Native women, it is our responsibility to stand up and speak out for every woman's right to be safe in her home and the community. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey, the dreaded (laughs) splash fight. It's dad o'clock. And it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Dear John, I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is serious and I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to when you checked on me? I don't want to leave. But remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. 
Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range today. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Well, here we are again, and I gotta tell you, Jim, this match has me really concerned. Here we have a powerful heavyweight, a train, weighing in at 6,000 tons, and this hasty lightweight challenger... A car at just one and a half tons? This does not bode well for the car or the people in it. It's no contest. Every day, people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. Welcome back to the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. Looming tomorrow, the DFL in Rochester, the Republicans in Duluth, they're meeting to pick their, or endorse, I should say, their candidates for statewide office, or at least that's the hope. It may be that they don't endorse, especially for that gubernatorial race. That's one of the big concerns. And the uptake is going to be live streaming both of those conventions, gavel to gavel, the only media in the state to do it. You can watch it over at theuptake.org. And we're still trying to fund it. So a reminder, if you've got some extra cash, you think that this should happen, that this is a good thing, head over to theuptake.org, you know, donate some money. We are so close to our goal. So please help us provide some transparency here. And one of those people who's probably going to be watching what's going on is Professor David Schultz from Hamlin University. Uh, Professor Schultz, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Good to have you on here. This this uh, this has been a very interesting campaign year. It's a very, as you say, a very consequential election looming here. Uh, today we had Michelle Fishbach, who is the lieutenant governor under Democrat Mark Dayton, say says that she wants to be the lieutenant governor under the once and maybe future governor Tim Pawlenty. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first off, there's no big surprise there. For like several days. There's been lots of rumors, especially since Fishbach resigned from the Senate and took the oath of office of lieutenant governor, you know, that, that Plenty was going to pick her. Uh, and, and so no surprise there. But what's more, but I'm going to back it up and say something different here. I'm not really sure if anybody really votes for governor based upon who they pick as lieutenant governor. Uh, there's, at the national level, we know that vice presidents make almost no difference. I'm not sure here, except for delegates. And I think, and I think this is what's important here is that since Palenti has said that he's not basically going to the convention, um, I think one of the things he wants to do is what create havoc at the convention. And if you now put somebody like Fishbach on for his ticket, might that he may be hoping, might that that lead some un, undecided delegates to say, well, I'm not going to support Jeff Johnson. Instead, I'm going to go with. Um, um, maybe endorsing nobody, prevent the 60% vote, and at that point, make it easier for Palenti in a primary. So I think, I think for Palenti, um, this, is, this is maybe more muckraking um, or mischief-making um, than anything else in terms of helping posture himself for eventually winning in, in, in August. Do you think this was his best choice that he could have made, considering everything that he's trying to achieve, or was there somebody else, else out there that maybe he should have picked? I'm not sure there's anybody else he really could have picked at this point. And, and, and also making that um, on one level, I'm not sure it really matters who he picks because Mm -hmm. I think this is a short term strategy, um, perhaps aimed, like I said, at creating some mischief between now um, um, and the, the, you know, the now being the convention and the primary. Um, Once it actually kicks in, um, let's say he gets the nomination, wins the primary at that point. um, Yeah, Fishbach will be out there campaigning and so forth. But but I I just don't think Fishbach or any other lieutenant governor selection really makes makes that much of a difference. I would say the same, by the way, for on the Democratic side, too. But with Pawlenty, you know, what's interesting is I don't think he's running as a populist. You know, he he's running almost as a plutocrat this time. You know, he's running as a candidate of big money that he's got lots of resources and he's just going to what use those big resources as a way of, of, of trying to win come August. And 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 if he wins in August, I think he's going to be the big money candidate um, that that tries to prevail also when it comes into the general election. 
Do you think he is going to prevail? Because we're making assumptions here. We're making an assumption that uh, Jeff Johnson is going to be the one who gets the endorsement if there is an endorsement, and we're assuming that there's a primary because Tim Pawlenty said there's going to be a primary. Do you think that he has enough support in Minnesota, enough people who think they remember he was a good governor, that he is going to be able to win that primary? I'm not guaranteeing it. I think what he's hoping is that several million dollars in the bank money from the Republican um, gubernatorial um, committee um, and a lot of advertising on television is going to win it for him. And I'm not necessarily persuaded that's going to happen because what? Um, the last time that he won office was what? Um, 12 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. he's, in a he's in a very different position than he was t um, 12 years ago. Um, remember, first off, Pawlenty never won a majority of the vote the two times he ran for governor. Uh, the first time he ran, uh, he ought to thank God for that Paul Wellstone's plane crashed. And I say that because <laughs> um, I'm serious because um, um, he was he was he was he was in the middle of a very tight race. Some polls had Tim Penny in the lead on um, that plane crashes. And that changed everything in Minnesota politics that year. Um, yep. And then take us four years later uh, when he's running against Mike Hatch. Uh, Mike Hatch is, 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 is really beating him up until the closing days. And in the closing days, a series of, of misstatements and mistakes by Hatch cost him the election. Also, I remember covering that election um, is that Pawlenty was even behind on election day until, um, until tons of votes came in for Michelle Bachman. And Michelle Bachman carried him across the victory line, but still he didn't get a 50% of the vote. So I think many of us have this belief that he was a better candidate than he was when he got just outright lucky. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is keep in mind is the Republican Party is in a very different place now than it was 12 years ago. Uh, this is a party that is, is, is being taken over by Trump. Um, and it's, it looks very, very different. Remember, he's criticized Trump. Um, he was not a Trump supporter. So mm -hmm. I, I am not convinced that even with all that money, he actually wins. Um, um, but August is what? August is that time when most of us are what? Thinking about fishing the cabin or not thinking about primaries. The turnout mm -hmm. will be about 7 or 8%. Logic of small numbers, um, it's possible possible um but i am not guaranteeing that palenti wins this one because also think about who shows up at primaries the hardcore of the hardcore right. uh, and i'm not sure if the hardcore of the hardcore are with palenti anymore we're speaking with Professor David Schultz about the upcoming election, especially that we have the conventions coming this weekend. So that's the Republican side of thing at top of the ticket. On the Democratic side, the DFL, we have three people who are really in I would say this is a close race. Tim Walls, Rebecca Otto, Aaron Murphy, all going for the endorsement at the convention and no guarantee that any of them is going to uh, is going to get it, I think, at this point. What's your thoughts on it? Well, that's exactly how I view it, too. There is a sense in which I think Many people think that um, Tim Waltz is the favorite. Um, clearly, he was leading early on in terms of what looked like caucus support, fundraising. Um, no question that, that Aaron Murphy has picked up some very important endorsements recently. And yep. Rebecca Otto has come in, you know, at least up until recently, consistently second you know, behind, you know, behind Tim Waltz. And so, and, and, and so this becomes a hard read at this point to look at here. I would also say that uh, while Tim Waltz, you know, it, it looked like he was in the lead, um, you know, what's critical also in the state of Minnesota is winning the, is winning the urban core liberals. And I'm not completely sure he's won over the, the enthusiasm or support of the urban core liberals. And so I think some of his support is soft. Um, um, I think, I've seen some stories about Aaron Murphy, you know, one, you know, where some people are, are saying, well, yeah, you know, she's a pretty good candidate for many of them, but can she really win in November? Um, mm -hmm. And then we've seen some stories in the last few days about Rebecca Otto in terms of, you know, her campaign manager stepping down. Is that a sign of turmoil? You know, so we have all kinds of reasons to wonder, you know, you know, for all three campaigns there, you know, where the momentum actually is. And, I, I, I would be surprised again 
you know, if we, um, um, if anybody emerges, um, I'm not sure we're going to get an endorsement unless after a couple of quick votes, um, we, we, we have somebody saying, well, for the, for the good of the party or whatever it may be. Um, but at least in the case of Walt, he's not committed to honoring the endorsement. Right. Um, and I think Otto has, 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 has not really committed one way or the other. I can't remember if Murphy has said she would or not. So I can still see, you know, um, um, a, a primary being generated there. The simple answer, you know, to kind of take all the words here, is that this is one that we're not going to know until after about two or three votes and to see if somebody's willing to drop out and throw their support to somebody else in terms of what's going to happen. Yeah, and just for the record, I've uh, I've watched the, this race very carefully, and Otto and Murphy have both said they will abide by the endorsement. But of course, if okay. there is no endorsement, right. then there's there's no abiding by it, and that that's uh, right. that's I think where we may be headed in this, and in, in in terms of what I'm seeing here going on, I can't remember the rules on how many rounds of votes that they have, uh, and that right. might be important uh, to t- pay attention right. to. Um, I wanted to also talk here about uh, congressional races because we have got uh, we have got a lot of uh, races uh, in play here. We've got uh, CD2, CD3, CD8, and CD1 here, where we either have uh, in, we don't have an incumbent, or we have uh, a a swing district that may feel like swinging. What's your thoughts on all of those? Well, you're right. I mean, if we think about in a normal year in Congress, we out of 435 seats. There's only about 20 or 25 seats that are swing. You know, we have four of them. Now, this is not a normal year. You know, we also have an enormous number of, of Republicans who have said they're not running for re-election. we got a lot of other things going on here. But the fact of the matter is we have four um, seats, congressional seats here, that are highly contested. And that's, that's you know, half of them. So that's, that's, it's, that's very unusual here. Um, two of them, like you said, incumbents are not running. And those are two that that are not within without the possibility that that could flip they could flip Democrat I mean flip Republican I should sorry um, but then we also have the two that are being held by Jason Lewis and Eric Paulson um, that we've got very strong candidates by Democrats running there who I think have a a decent chance of being able to flip there so I could see all kinds of scenarios where those four seats. Um, um, stay all Republican. Um, they are, 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 are become all Republican. They stay split. Um, they go all Democrat. Or we see a reversal. Um, the first and eighth turn Republican. Um, second and third turn Democrat. I mean, I, I literally think at this point that's how close these races are. And all four of them are attracting enormous amounts of national attention and money because the road to control of the House of Representatives in part, goes through four seats in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And while House of Representatives uh, Congress is very hard to predict, predicting the Minnesota House of Representatives and the one seat that's up in the Senate is probably a little bit harder, although the, the Senate seat is is a Republican seat and will probably stay that way, but that could right. influence who gets that, who controls that body, and definitely the control of the House is up there. What, what's your read on what's going on there? Well, you're right. I mean, most people know that that the Senate is up for election every four years, um, that they're not, so the Senate's technically not up for control this year, but because with Fishbach resigning, it's now 33-33, theoretically, this is an election now, and that seat, whoever whoever contests for it, will be for what? Control of the Minnesota Senate. Um, right. we, have, uh, we have the House of Representatives, where the Democrats need to pick up what I believe it is 11 seats in order to take control of the House of Representatives. Somewhere out there, I've calculated somewhere between about 12 to 15 seats are swing. Um, so so there's, a, there's a possibility for both of them, um, um, although h- hard, a possibility that the Democrats could take control of both of those chambers. Now, a lot of things would have to go right. You would have to see scenarios where um, that in, in, a, in an anti-Trump year, um, that a lot of what we call what the perfect storm would have to occur. But, but that's what makes it so interesting. Um, so think about it here is that suddenly we're going to see um, probably whoever uh, Democrat and Republicans run in the, the fish box seat, um, that's going to attract I'm going to guess way over a million dollars for a Senate seat because of how important it's going to be. Um, those 12 to 15 seats in the House of Representatives are going to attract an incredible amount of money also. And 
and again, the possibilities for the Democrats, you know, flipping the two chambers, although um, hard, are not beyond the realm of possibility. And we got like just a, a minute left real quick. U.S. Senate, we've got uh, one is safe, Amy Klobuchar. Right. But Republicans, uh, Karen Housley is going to be the candidate. Tina Smith, Richard Painter, there's a possibility of primary there. What are your thoughts on that primary and then ultimately the election on that side? Okay, primary, I'm, I'm still betting that if that goes primary, that the support will, will go with Tina Smith. Um, I think a lot of Democrats, while they may be enchanted by Richard Painter, also say his history with the Democratic Party, the fact that he advised George Bush. I think they're a little concerned about, you know, you know where he stands on a range of issues. They feel more comfortable with Tina Smith. But when it comes to Smith versus Housley, again, another race that will attract national attention, national dollars. Um, and Tina Smith, I, you know, polls that I've seen suggest she still doesn't have the name recognition that she needs to enjoy real incumbency. So she, so she faces a challenge. Not everybody knows who Cowsley is either. That I would say that's a far more open seat than people, many people might think. Yeah, yeah. My thought is Richard Painter has done more to define Tina Smith than Tina Smith has done in her time in office. But that is because Richard Painter is very good at the soundbite. And yes. we'll have to see see how that turns out. Hey, uh, Professor Schultz, we got to let you go. We got to got to roll on here. Be sure to watch the conventions if you want to. We're going to have them live on the uptake. I will. I'll be happy okay. to watch them. All right. We're going to take a break here, folks. And when we come back, that big announcement I've been promising, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll hold it at that. That's all next year on the Mike McEntee Show. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. Tom Hartman here telling you that solar energy isn't just for environmentalists. Switching to all-energy solar is actually perfect for reducing your carbon footprint while also saving money on your monthly electric bill. The fact that solar panels cause no earth-harming emissions while it's producing energy is a bonus. Who in the world could object to that? But they can also help you save money month after month for decades. And they do it with a clean footprint. So go green and start saving money today by visiting allenergysolar.com. It's Mike McEntee here on AM950. A couple quick reminders here. Uh, if you are interested in learning how to become a better storyteller, and remember, that is how you win elections. That is how your group does better. That's how you do better in life, is you become a better, better storyteller. We have some classes. We, being the uptake, have some classes coming up here in June. They start this weekend, and they're on audio, they're on video, they're on writing, and they are... Um, we, we've photography. That's the other one. We've got some great teachers who are teaching those. There's a charge, but go to theuptake.org/classes. You can sign up for them. Please, please sign up for them if you want to get some great uh, help there with those skills. Also, uh, we are going to be live streaming on theuptake.org both the Republican and Democratic convention from uh, Rochester and Duluth, and nobody in the entire state is doing that. And the only way that you're gonna that that's gonna happen is if well, you know we do it. So support us. We are still trying to raise the money for that. We've gotten very very close, and we're gonna make that with your help. And finally, the big announcement I've been promising here. Uh, I this is my next to last show here on AM nine fifty because I have a different day job that is going to not allow me to do this, and it has been so much fun. 
and so great to connect with everybody every day, uh, not just on the show, but uh, the last 10 years I've been on in various uh, formats. So uh, as Chad, the owner of the station I were talking about, this is the end of my show, but it's not the end of the relationship. I, I'm, we've, we've worked very well together. Next week, there's going to be we're going to be continuing with new local programming here on AM 950. Some of the names you're going to recognize. Some are going to be new, but um, Chad has told me the commitment is there to provide local Minnesota programming, and that's what's going to continue on here. And I just want to say to all the listeners who've been so kind to follow me on Twitter and to interact with me during the day uh, in, in various ways, thank you. This has been a great, fun show to do, and I hope that you know we've brought some information to you that you've been able to use. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm sad that I have to stop. Now we're going to be back here tomorrow because I will be live from the DFL convention, and we'll be covering what's going on there and the usual things. And there'll be some updates this weekend. But this this is my last studio show here. And at the end of every show, or almost every show, I often say, "Hey, thanks, mom, for listening." And there have been questions, you know, like, does your mom really listen? What is that about? So since this is the last show, I thought I'd bring that up. And I'd also like to bring in my mom, who is on the line, Natalie Rosen. Uh, It's been my mom as long as I can remember. Uh, Hello, Mom, are you there? Hey, hi, Mike. This is your mom calling. (laughs) And... I you know I'm I'm really I'm I'm really going to miss listening to your radio program. I I I love listening to the interesting people you interview and I like that you usually mostly all the time ask what action can someone take if they want to get more involved. That that I think is great. Most especially most especially I miss hearing you say and mom, thanks for listening, because it always it always gives me a happy feeling and a smile. Well, I, can, I can call you up on I'm the really phone and tell you that. that. <laughs> but it, it, it and it, my, why I think yes, why I think I, my I mother. Okay, maybe did we have you a hear what I said? Yes, I did hear what you said. And why I thank my mother every time for listening is she she brought me up right, okay? And she encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. She never told me that's a stupid idea. Um, don't go into broadcasting. It's a lousy field because it doesn't pay anything. Uh, she's been very supportive all these years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. And, Mom, I just wanted to say on the air, I love you and, and thank you for listening. I, I You're, you're my, one of my most important audience members. Well, thank you so much. All right. I love you. I love you, too. All right. And that's where I think is appropriate time to leave it. Before I get real mushy, <laughs> I will be back tomorrow live out of Rochester. We'll be doing the DFL convention. Be sure to tune in and watch. And for one more time, hey, Mom, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.